Hello and welcome to another podcast episode. Sunday again already. Well, actually it's not. Is it Friday morning? What have we got? 14 degrees centigrade, 57 Fahrenheit, 83% on the old humidity scale and 1024 millibars. What to call this episode? I've no idea. It's all about the cost of living, price of petrol, the price of food, blah, blah, blah. Plus, what do people think of you? Do you worry about that? Do you worry about what other people think of you? When you go out, are they looking at you, wondering why you're wearing that? Why is he wearing those shoes? Why is she wearing that dress? Do you worry about other people and what they think of you? Anyway, there we are. Lovely weather coming up this weekend, apparently, allegedly. But the weather forecast people are rather like a cheap watch. They tend to lie a lot. (laughs) Let's hope it's a good weekend because we are heading now well into October. I'm not going to mention the C word. I'm not doing countdowns to all that nonsense. There's enough of that on the radio. Every time you turn the radio, oh, so many shopping days to whatever. Okay, let's move on. Several of you recently have mentioned the cost of living. Now, I'm not going to do politics because, as you know, I don't get into politics. But the cost of living crisis, as they're calling it. Uh, Yes, several of you have mentioned this. Prices in the old days compared to prices now. Things obviously are more expensive. I mean, you know, things go up, don't they, over a period of time anyway. But relatively speaking, compare the price of a Mars bar. Dear, you know, Mars bar used to be taken as a not, not a form of currency, but a benchmark. That's the word I'm looking for, a benchmark. So the price of a Mars bar back in the 60s, with the wages uh, as they were then, and the price of a Mars bar now compared to the wages, you know, as with the wages as they are now. Do you see what I mean? Has the Mars bar gone up terribly in price? I've no idea, has it? I, how can I work that out? I don't know what wages were back then. I can't remember what a Mars bar cost. I do remember that when we went over to Decimal, was that 71, 1971 or whenever, went over to Decimal currency and everything shot up. A Mars bar was sort of sixpence, and you work it out, well, hang on a minute, if you, in a new money, if you convert it back, it's now sevenpence. So everything was rounded up. But I do think that things are more expensive now. I can't do that working out, but I can't do mathematics, can I, for goodness sake? So if a Mars bar was sixpence in the old days, and the average wage was 10 quid, and a Mars bar now, I saw them. Where did I see Mars bars the other day? A pound. A pound each. I forget where we were. There were several sweets. A pound. (laughs) And it wasn't the big one. Do you remember they used to make big Mars bars, didn't they? It wasn't the big one. It was a smaller one. And of course, they are saying, and I think they're right, some prices aren't going up. But the size of the item is decreasing. So Mars bars are getting smaller for the same price. So they are going up in price. I don't know. So if it was sixpence and the wages were 10 quid then, and they're a pound and the wages, I don't know, what's the average wage now? 30 grand a year? I've no idea. Have they gone up? We must have a mathematician amongst us. Right, all you mathematical geniuses, contact me and raise rants at protonmail.com. See if you can find that out. Work that out. I remember petrol. When I was, oh dear me, I forget how old I was, teens. It was seven and six a gallon, seven and sixpence. 
Now, what was that in? I can't work that out either. Five shillings was 25 pence. Uh, 10 shillings is 50 pence. So seven and six is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> this is why I was hopeless at school. The maths teacher, he used to look at me and just shake his head negatively in, in despair. <laughs> I think I told you before, he did say to me, where maths is concerned, you've got a blockage. Go and see a doctor. No, not that sort of blockage. Happy days indeed. I'm not going to start on about school, but certainly the, the cost of living crisis, as they're calling it, it is a nightmare. I mean, fortunately, we, Trish and I, are OK. A lot of our family, you know, we're all OK. But there are people where if the price of things goes up by only, say, overall, another 10 quid a week, which to us wouldn't matter, I wouldn't be happy about it, but it wouldn't affect us really. Whereas other people, that's it. They're, they're on the brink of ruin already. And another 10 quid a week, well, that's the, the straw that broke the camel's back, as they say. I just asked Alexa, I said, if, if an item was sixpence back in the 1960s and the wages were £10 a week and the item is now a pound and the wages are whatever it is, I worked it out, a week, what is the increase, the percentage increase in the price of the item? And she said, what are you talking about? And I think she wanted an argument. She said, what are you talking about? Are you mad? Anyway, I switched her off. <laughs> I don't know why I bother with Alexa. She's probably in a bad mood. She's normally quite good, normally quite polite. But sometimes it gets into a bit of a strop, you know. The cost of living crisis. It is a crisis. As I said, some people, many people, you know, another few pounds a week and that's it. They're, they're ruined. They're on the breadline as it is. Then there's this cashless society that a few of you have also mentioned. I don't know, that's another disaster. What would we do without cash? I still haven't used my Apple Pay on my phone. I mean, Apple Pay. In the old days, you'd go into a pub, pint of lager, please, or a pint of bitter. Yeah, there you go. Sixpence. Sixpence. That's in the old money. <laughs> What's that? Two and a half pence or something. These days, you go in there, pint of lager, please. You know, 15 pounds. What? No, seriously. Well, that is seriously. Why am I saying seriously? That is seriously. Some of the prices are just astronomical. But you'd go in there and you'd, you know, you'd chuck a couple of quid on the bar or a fiver or something. Whereas now there's people with their phones and cards and waving a card over some machine. Well, what's going on? I like the old money, the proper money. I used to like... The pound, who remembers the pound notes in the good old days? Then we had pound coins and all they do is make holes in your pockets. Mind you, the half crowns, do you remember the half crown pieces? They were big and heavy, weren't they? They should have been trying to get away from coins, not changing a pound note into a coin. That's just more change in your pocket. I don't carry money about, although I'm all for cash, I don't carry money about. I've got a fiver in my phone, which is emergency money tucked in my mobile phone case but apart from that I don't have any money basically because whenever we go out we're together I don't go out on my own I'm not allowed out on on my own in public let loose in public good grief so we go out together and Trish always does the paying if we have a coffee somewhere or sandwich she always does the paying business either on a card or with cash or, or whatever she does this is why I have no idea of prices Sometimes we'll go somewhere, Trish will say, a couple of coffees, please. And the lady will say, oh, that's £7.50. I did, what? You're having a laugh. How much? 
£7. We only want a cup of coffee each. We didn't want a meal. And you know, Tris is saying, shush, be quiet. You know, that's not, not a bad price these days, £7. £7.50. <laughs> Where were we? Oh, we were... I, this, I can't tell you exactly what I said, but we were in a cafe somewhere. I forget where it was. Trish asked for something that they hadn't got. This chap behind the counter said, oh, sorry, no, we don't sell that. And as we walked off, I swore. I said something like, idiots, except it was a lot worse than that. And these two other women customers overheard what I'd said. It wasn't idiots, it was a naughty word. <laughs> and these two women started giggling and looking at me. They thought it was hilarious. I remember being in a shoe shop once. I asked for a pair of boots. This is the 60s. I asked for a pair of uh, Cuban Hill boots. And <laughs> the woman said, I'm sorry, we haven't got any. And I said, oh, sorry, I thought this was a, sh a shoe shop. I'm in the wrong place. And my girlfriend I was with at the time, she went red and walked off out of the shop, disowned me. <laughs> it's all clean fun, isn't it? I'm not, it's not being rude, it's just a bit of clean fun. It's brightening up people's days. That's the way I look at it. Put a smile on someone's face. Pocket money, as kids, you know, they love pocket money. Well, I don't know about these days, they'd probably get it in, in a cheque. No, not cheques. We don't have cheques anymore, do we? Probably a backs. What is it? Bank transfer. There's your pocket money for this week, 50 quid. Well, is that all I get? Well, my friends at school get 100 quid a week. I used to get my pocket money. I remember it was half a crown a week at one time. Half crown piece. That was good. Get my pocket money on the same day, same time every week. So you could sort of plan ahead with you know, as to what you were going to waste it on. <laughs> get your pocket money straight over the sweet shop. Right, I'll have some penny bangers near firework night, this was. A quarter of aniseed balls a quarter of pear drops and two of those sherbet things. And that wasn't half a crown. That's only about a shilling gone. So you still had, what, one and sixpence left. Is that right? Good grief, I worked that out. Is that right? One and sixpence left out of half a crown. But you need pocket money. You need cash. And what are you going to have instead of the tooth fairy who brings a pound? Well, probably ten quid these days for a tooth. How are you going to explain to your children that, oh, the tooth fairy's gone cashless? <laughs> You'll have to have a card reader by your bed so she can flash her card over it. I don't know what the world's coming to. Just a change of subject for a minute or two. Here's a little story that uh, I recorded the other day. I was reminded of this recently. You may find this interesting. There again, you may not find it interesting. I don't know. Many years ago, a friend of mine, Dave, he... He was married to Shelley, lovely lady. They got on very well. They've been, what were they, in their 30s, I suppose, going back? Yes, early 30s. Dave worked at a, a company which sent him to this other company that they dealt with. He had to go there and meet someone or other, uh, something to do with business, doesn't matter what it was. So Dave went there and he bumped into an old school friend, Richard, who said, Dave, what are you doing here? He said, well, I work for so-and-so company. They've sent me here to see uh, Mr. So-and-so about uh, something to do with business. And Richard said, oh, what a coincidence. Fantastic to see you. How about having a beer? He said, I can't stop now. How about having a beer one night? They arranged to meet in a local pub to catch up on old times, see what gossip there was. David always got on with Richard at school. They'd been mates. But he noticed that Richard had changed. He was now big-headed quite big-headed and full of himself. Apparently he was on the board of directors at the company. 
He'd done very well. He was on an amazing salary and there were loads of perks, holidays abroad and a car. And Dave was a little bit disappointed because the old Richard that he knew when they were at school, they were great friends. He wasn't the same chap at all. But despite that, Dave had a chat with him. They got on pretty well. Dave put up with this, <laughs> with all the uh, look at me business, look at the big me, the big I am. But as the evening went on, and they had a couple more drinks, Dave became more disappointed in his old friend Richard. Richard was saying that he hadn't got married. No need to get married, he said. There are plenty of married women around. I take them out, give them a good time, and uh, they can't want any more from me because they're married, tied down to their husbands. Now, Dave didn't like the sound of all this. He, that wasn't the sort of thing he was into at all. He was happily married to Shelley, and the last thing he could imagine was Shelley going off and seeing someone on the side and being unfaithful. He just didn't like the idea at all. But Richard was ranting on about it. He said, oh, I'm seeing her tomorrow night. And eventually Dave changed the subject and they, they had a decent chat. But uh, Dave was really disappointed in, in his old schoolmate. They arranged to meet again for another chat and a, a few beers. That was the following week. And the following night... Shelley said to Dave, right, I'm off out with the girls as usual. Once a week she'd go out with the girls and they'd have a, a few drinks and perhaps a meal, something like that. Old school friends they were and they'd catch up. And it was only when Shelley left that he thought of Richard's words, oh, I'm seeing her tomorrow night. And he thought, wouldn't it be awful if it was Shelley? Now he trusted his wife 150% and he doesn't know why that thought came into his head. He was rather disappointed in himself for having such a thought. There's no way Shelley would cheat on him, and he wouldn't cheat on her either. Dave met up with Richard again, and Richard was going on about uh, this married woman he was seeing, and he was saying that he might have to dump her soon because there's another one that's come onto the scene. He was seeing two at once, so he might have to get rid of the first one. Dave, of course, didn't like any of this. He didn't want to hear it. He was really fed up with it all. Whenever he tried to talk about the old school days, Richard would go back to the married woman and all this business. It just annoyed him. Dave and Richard met once a week in the pub and had a chat. Dave just learned to put up with the rubbish that Richard came out with until he realised there was a pattern emerging. Whenever Richard said, oh, I'm seeing the married woman tomorrow night or Friday night or whenever, that coincided with Shelley's night out. She'd see her friends every Thursday, that was a regular thing, but then she started popping out other nights. Oh, we're just going to see so-and-so, we're going to have a chat, she called me today. She'd go out for two or three hours, and then perhaps a Friday night, she'd say, oh, I'm popping out with so-and-so, and it coincided with the nights that Richard was saying he was seeing this married woman. Dave began to wonder about the situation. Richard was charming, he was flash, he had money, he had a posh car. Would Shelley want to see him? Again, he was disappointed with his thinking. He didn't want to think that about Shelley. They'd been together a good few years. They were happily married. That's the last thing that Shelley would do, surely. But the seeds of doubt were planted firmly in his mind and they began to grow as the weeks passed. He asked Richard whether he'd given up this married woman for the other one that he was seeing. And Richard said, no, 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 the first one I'm hanging on to. She's brilliant. She really is good. 
So Dave tried to find out a little bit more about the woman. What was her real name? Where did she live? But Richard was tight-lipped. He said, no, I've got my rules. No one knows anything about any of my women, not even their names. Dave then did something that he thought he would never, ever have to do, even dream of, even consider. He asked Shelley whether she was having an affair. Shelley went ballistic, asking, how could you dream such a thing of me? How could you accuse me? I'm not accusing you, he said. Well, what is it then? You're asking me whether I'm having an affair. That's accusing me. You must be suspicious. You must think I am. Shelley didn't speak to him for several days, and Dave was well aware that he damaged his marriage, hopefully not beyond repair. I'm recording this story as Dave told it to me many years ago, so uh, it's not verbatim, you understand. So Dave, the next time he met Richard, he started asking Richard a few questions about the married woman. Richard's answers only served to confirm Dave's suspicions. Although Richard had his rules about not speaking about his women, he did say that this married woman enjoyed swimming and one or two other things. It all fitted together in Dave's mind. The whole thing fitted together. And that's when Dave started out on his campaign to destroy Richard. He phoned Richard's company and said, would you tell Richard Smith to stop playing around with my wife? And the receptionist said, I'm sorry, sorry, what did you say? Richard Smith, one of your directors, he's playing around with my wife. Would you tell him to stop? Otherwise, there will be serious consequences. Now, Dave knew that word would get round the office because people do like to gossip. A few days later, he rang. He got another receptionist this time. Would you ask Mr Smith to settle the £5,000 bill with me? I lent him the money a long time ago and he's not bothered to pay it back. I don't want to have to take him to court. I know that he's borrowed money from other people and not paid it back, but this time he's got the wrong man. I want my £5,000 back. Again, the receptionist didn't quite know what to say, apart from telling Dave that she would pass the message on to Mr Richard Smith. Dave carried out this campaign of, I don't know, what would you call it? <laughs> Disaster for several weeks. And whenever he met up with Richard, Richard was looking gloomier and gloomier. Word was obviously getting round the office. Rumours were flying about. Richard confessed to Dave. He said, I'm really worried someone's got it in for me at work. Dave concealed a grin when Richard said a newspaper journalist had turned up from the local paper accusing him of all sorts of dreadful things and word had got back to the board of directors and there was trouble brewing. This is rather a long story as some of mine are so I'll keep it short. Richard eventually lost his job. He resigned. He was asked to resign. That's what he told Dave one evening when they were having a beer. Dave was, well, I was going to say Dave was happy. At least he'd got his own back as far as Richard was concerned. But his marriage to Shelley was not in ruins, but it wasn't in a good way at all. As Shelley repeatedly pointed out to him, once trust had gone, it was very, very difficult, if not impossible, to get back. He obviously didn't trust her. That was in her mind. He obviously didn't trust her. The bombshell dropped one evening when Dave walked into the pub to meet Richard and Richard said, I'm getting married. 
Getting married? Well, who to? All your women are married already. The first one, he said, the one I've been going on about. She's going to leave her husband and we're going to get married. We've known each other for a long, long time now. We're well suited and we're going to get married. How about that, Dave? Dave then thought that Shelley was going to leave him and go off with, with Richard. <laughs> what a mess. Until Richard said, my young lady will be here in a few minutes. I'm going to introduce you to her. Dave thought that Shelley was going to walk into the pub and say, Dave, I'm leaving you. I'm going off to marry Richard. <laughs> Have you sussed it? It wasn't Shelley after all. Dave had got it all wrong. Wrecked Richard's career at the business. I'm not, I shouldn't laugh really. Well, it serves Richard right. He shouldn't be going off with married women. But this woman did say that her husband wasn't nice. He was violent. That is why she'd gone off with Richard. Her husband was violent. He was a dreadful person. He drank too much. It was just horrible. And as Dave said to me, he felt terrible. He'd lost Richard, his job. He'd wrecked his career. He'd damaged his own marriage. He and Shelley were OK in the end, but it was something that she would never forget. And whenever there was a disagreement, she reminded him that he had accused her of being unfaithful. So there we are. What's that old expression? That old, Look before you leap. Uh, no, that doesn't really apply, does it? What am I talking about? Let's move on. We've had enough of Dave, Shelley and Richard and affairs and things. But I thought you'd like to hear that. As I said, it's not verbatim because it was a long time ago that this happened. But I hope you enjoyed that anyway. Email from Jonathan. Hello, Jonathan. He says, what do people think of you? <laughs> I don't know, Jonathan. That's a good question. No, seriously, in his email, what he means is, he explains this, a lot of people worry about what other people are thinking of them. Other people might look at you and you're thinking, oh, am, I, am I dressed all right? What do they think of me? Do they think I'm all right? Do they like me? It's a good point, actually, Jonathan. I know people who are continually worrying about what other people think of them. It's not, so, it's not something I've ever bothered about. I wear whatever clothes I want. And I've got some red shoes. Who was it? My sister-in-law once. She said, only you could wear red shoes, Ray, with, what was it, those jeans and that top I had. I don't know what it was. I don't colour coordinate, much to Trisha's displeasure. You're not going out dressed like that, are you? Yeah, why? What's wrong? Nothing, no, carry on. <laughs> I don't worry about what other people think about me. I've always, my, my way of thinking has always been, if you don't like me or if you've got problems or issues, as it is these days, with me, well, go and talk to someone else then. You know, clear off and <laughs> do your own thing somewhere. But I do know that you're right. Some people are overly worried, I suppose, about their appearance and the way they are, their mannerism, the way they speak, because of what other people might think. I am most comfortable, clothes-wise, in a pair of old ripped jeans that have got oil stains on them, dirty old T-shirt. My, again, my sister-in-law, this is, I don't know why I keep thinking of her. She once said to Trish, I was in the garden working, they watched me out of the window, and she said to Trish, why has Ray got his T-shirt on inside out and back to front? And Trish, they both came out and Trish said, she said, why have you got your T-shirt inside out back to front? I said, oh, I didn't know I had. <laughs> and my sister-in-law said, 
Well, that's Ray, isn't it? That's the way he is. It's true. I didn't know. I was doing the garden. I just found some dirty old T-shirt. No, not a dirty old one. I've got a pile of clothes in the bottom of the wardrobe that are for gardening jobs, working on the car, mucking about, you know, mixing up cement and concrete, all that sort of thing, painting. So they're old clothes because I get into trouble if I wear a new shirt and a new pair of trousers and my best shoes and then go and start painting or mixing up concrete and ruin them, I get told off. I just hadn't noticed that it was inside out as well as back to front. Many years ago, neighbour of mine, this is the 60s again, yet again, neighbour of mine, he was in his front garden and he was, he was digging in the front garden, doing the weeding and bits and pieces. And his wife came out. I overheard this. His wife came out. I even remember his name. Harry, she said. He looked up. Yes, dear. Harry, why aren't you wearing a tie? And he said, well, I'm doing the garden. And she said, you don't go out doing the garden out of the front in the street where everyone can see you without wearing a tie. And she made him go indoors. Oh, she also said, look at the state of your shirt. Anyway, he came back out. Clean shirt and a decent pair of trousers and a tie and carried on gardening. And I remember thinking, I must have been, I don't know, 15 years old. I remember thinking that he'll probably get told off when he goes in because he's got his decent clothes dirty. But it was that way back then, wasn't it? You look at the old films of people on the beach in the 1950s. The men would have a suit shirt, tie, suit, <laughs> or perhaps take their jacket off. And the, the women, the ladies, they would have a, a, a nice frock, as they were called in those days, a frock, and a hat even. And this is full summer, red hot sunshine on the beach, you know, and they're wearing a suit and a tie and a frock and a hat. And there's all the kids, of course, all running around in their swimming gear. But I remember that as a kid. I remember looking around the beach thinking, why are these people dressed up like that? Where are they going? This is a beach. Why aren't the ladies in their swimwear? Of course, back then, it was a little bit uh, risque, wasn't it? Ladies didn't wear bathing costumes on the beach. Well, some of them, the younger ones did. Bikinis were in the 60s. Yeah, they were worn. I think they were frowned upon by the older women. <laughs> I didn't frown upon them at all. Going back to Jonathan's email about people worrying what other people think. Do you remember Please Sir? And talking about clothes, of course. Remember Please Sir? With Frankie Abbott and uh, oh, God, Sharon. Who was the chap that the, one of the pupils that always wore a suit? I can't remember his name. He always wore a suit and a tie, decent clean shirt. We had someone like that at the technical college I went to. That was when I was doing the you know, electronics and radio stuff. One of the chaps there, we'd go in in jeans, jeans, T-shirt, you know, Hendrix T-shirt or something like that. And he'd go in in a suit. He always wore a suit in the 60s. So he had the big lapels and the, the proper tie, the proper 60s, um, what are they, the kipper tie, wasn't it? And I forget what the shirts were called. And he always looked immaculate. Jeff, his name was Jeff. I, I just remembered his surname. I won't mention that. Case is listening. <laughs> and there's me, there's old scruff bag me, walking around with, uh, he had a, a briefcase for his notes and his uh, technical college work. I had an army bag, you know, a canvas army surplus bag with my stuff all, all screwed up in it. And I, had, I did pass, I did pass the exams. 
and I believe he did as well. But uh, that just reminded me of uh, Jonathan saying, do you worry about what other people think of you? No, I've never bothered about what other people think. And someone recently, who was it? One of you said to me, were you a, a mod or a rocker back in those days? I wasn't. I wasn't either. I was. Uh, I was neither. Is that the correct uh, grammar, syntax, and all that stuff? Neither, uh, neither, or what? In it, I was a, a hippie, a nineteen sixties hippie with the hair and the beard. Fantastic days. Oh, and who emailed me recently? Oh, I've forgotten again. You know, I've been on about. I mustn't use the word fantastic because I'm always saying it. Well, the word fantastic originally had a different meaning. I must look that up. I'm sorry. Apologies. I thought, who was it? that sent me that email. Anyway, apologies, I've forgotten who it was, but I must look that up again and find out what the original meaning, I think it was fantasy, something to do with fantasy. I do like the etymology of words, where they came from. A lot of them come from Greek and uh, German stuff, don't they, and ancient whatever, <laughs> Latin, of course. They're all put together out of these mixtures of words. So, so the word fantastic actually has a different meaning uh, to what it was when it first was invented. Can you invent a word? I suppose you can. In the Oxford Dictionary every year, they add words, don't they? <laughs> they add words. Some of them are daft, but some of them are quite good. Just had an email from Ray. Hello, Ray. Ray says, has anyone had an out-of-body experience? Ray's had an experience, but I won't go into that. Has anyone had an out-of-body experience or near-death experience? Now, that's an interesting one, Ray, or any other strange, what's that word, phenomena. Ph phenomenon is one, isn't it? Phenomena is plural. Is that right? <laughs> no good asking. Look it up in the dictionary. So that's interesting, Ray. I found your piece interesting on that. I'm not going to read that out. Let's see what other people say first. That will be interesting. Ray's rants at protonmail.com. <laughs> And that brings me on nicely. Well, it doesn't actually. It's not connected at all. I knew a chap. This is in response to an email from Nicola. Hello, Nicola. She doesn't want her email read out, but it's about her husband, I can just tell you briefly, who is prone to exaggerating. And she just says, have you had any similar experiences of this with people? I have, Nicola. Now, this reminds me. Petrol. Right, this friend of mine, <laughs> Terry, this is years ago. This is, oh, must be the 80s, early 1980s. His wife, this Terry's wife, was prone to exaggerating to the point of lying, <laughs> barefaced lying. Here is one example of what happened. He had a Mini, a little Mini. Remember the old Minis from the early days, the Mini cars? Small engine, didn't use much petrol. And his wife said to him, I'm putting £10 a day into the car. And he said, £10 every day on petrol, £70 a week. Are you sure? Well, of course I'm sure. He said, well, look, there must be a problem with the car. There must be a leak somewhere. I'll have a look. He knew she was exaggerating, but he went through the motion. He lifted the bonnet, looked at the engine, looked underneath. And he said, well, I can't smell petrol. I can't see any leaks. Oh, well, I'm putting £10 every day in. Now, he walked to work. His office was just down the road, quarter of a mile. She only worked part-time. On her days off, she would do the shopping and perhaps visit her parents, who didn't live too far away. But they didn't use the car a great deal. So he said, look, I'll phone 
uh, he had this mechanic, Fred, we'll call him, at a local garage that always dealt with his car. I phoned Fred the mechanic. So he, he didn't phone Fred, of course, but he said to her, right, I've spoken to Fred. He says, there's obviously a serious problem with the car. We mustn't use it. Oh, oh, but I've, I've got to visit my parents. I've got to do the shopping. I've got to see my parents. And he said, look, sorry, sorry. You know, Fred has said that it is dangerous to use it. If there's petrol leaking, it could catch fire. You know, the cars are go up in flames when you're driving along. Then she said, well, perhaps it's only five pounds a day. Perhaps I was mistaken. It could be five pounds a day. So Terry said, well, hang on a minute. It was 70 quid a week. It's now 35 pounds a week. He said, all the same, a little mini shouldn't use that, not on the mileage we do. So don't use it until Fred's had a look. He's going to pop round after work and have a look one evening, hopefully tomorrow evening. She then went on about visiting her parents and doing the shopping, and she changed the story yet again. Oh, well, perhaps it's only £10 a week. I don't know, I'm confused. It's probably £10 a week. So Terry, <laughs> trying not to laugh, said, well, hang on a minute, it was £70 a week, it's now 10 What am I going to tell Fred, the mechanic? What am I going to say? Oh, I was mistaken, Fred. I'm not putting 70 quid a week in. It's, it's 10 I can't tell him that. He'll think I'm mad. Now, the funny thing is, I mean, that's basically the story. The funny thing is, as Terry used to say to me, she believed herself, her exaggeration, her, I won't say lies, but her stories, she believed them herself. And when she was caught out, as she was in that instance, she would just brush it off. Oh, well, I must have been mistaken. Oh, well, forget that. It's all OK now. Forget it. I, I was wrong. I was mistaken. But she'd only only react like that when she was caught, well, I suppose, red-handed, so to speak, red-handed. Caught red-handed, lying, basically. But it, I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? The weather is also weird. It's now Saturday it's a beautiful day here. Honestly, it's like summer. There's 23 degrees under our patio roof. Blue sky. Where are we? Just gone 10 o'clock in the morning. Beautiful day. They were saying on the forecast this morning, it's unseasonably warm. There's a word, unseasonably. <laughs> I like that. I've spoken to my sister-in-law, the nurse, or ex-nurse, she's now retired, and she says that she will have a chat about nursing in the old age, back in the 40s. <laughs> no, she's not that old. It'll be the 80s. So at some stage, I shall uh, record a little chat with her, which will be interesting, I think. Nursing back then, I was in hospital in 1964, I think it was, or five. I was in for two weeks. And of course, that's when we had the old Hattie Jakes type matron. So I shall ask her about that. Did they have... Hattie Jakes as a matron in the Carry On films. Do you remember? She was always a, a sort of nightmare, dreadful matron. The nurses were terrified of her. Be interesting to find out from my sister-in-law whether they had a matron then. I don't think they have them now, which is a shame. But I do remember when I was in hospital, I was, what, 14 years old. And I remember we had a matron there and she was, ah, what word should I use? Stern. Whenever she walked out of the ward, you could see the nurses. They were oh, oh, terrified. Here comes the matron. Now we're in trouble. And there was always something wrong. That bed wasn't made properly. This was in the wrong place. That wasn't tidy. But there was, there was this discipline. Perhaps it was over the top. But there was this discipline. I wonder whether they have these days. I haven't been into hospital for years, thankfully. Touch wood. Hopefully I won't have to. What interests me is... 
in those days, the nurses, they didn't go to university. They went straight to a, a teaching hospital or wherever, their local hospital, and they were on the wards. Whereas these days, it's university. I wonder which is best. I would have thought straight on to the wards, but, you know, who am I? I remember also, when I was in hospital, the doctors were afraid of the matron. Well, our particular matron, anyway, if there were a couple of doctors around and she walked in, even they looked, uh, not terrified, but a little bit, oh, look out, here she comes, here comes the battle axe. <laughs> so I think everyone was afraid of the matron back in those days. Yeah, great fun. Of course, at my age of 14, I thought it was all hilarious. And also, people smoked. I remember this chap having a fag and the nurse saying to him, look, the doctors are coming out, put that cigarette out. I don't know whether they were allowed to. I know they were originally. I think back in the 40s, early 50s, people used to smoke on the wards. I don't know whether they were allowed to in the 60s, but I do remember this chap having a fag. <laughs> and also, they used to give you... Not when I was there. They used to give you Mackison and Guinness because, um, was it iron? It's got iron in it or something. So there'd be people swigging back Mackison and Guinness out of the bottle in their beds with a fag going. Ah, things certainly have changed, haven't they? My sister-in-law did say that she wouldn't be any good at it answering questions, so it would just be a sort of light-hearted chat, really. Trish also suggested that I have a chat with her mum and my mum because my mum is 90 now and she has a lot of memories of the old days obviously I don't she was born in 33 yeah 1933 stone the crows that's a long time ago isn't it 1933 so she during the war she's often said she was sort of 12 years old and she remembers this and that so be interesting but again she says oh I don't know what to say I, I don't know what it is people seem to be on the radio, amateur radio, you now when we chat, we call it mic shy. People are shy of the microphone. They don't know what to say. And some amateur people, they've, they've got their license. They've passed the exams, got their license. And they never go on the radio because they're mic shy. I don't know what it is. Put a microphone in front of someone and they clam up. <laughs> I don't. I just talk. What's that word? I never remember that word beginning with B. Oh, yeah, rubbish. I just talk rubbish all the time. And a lot of people are camera shy. Oh, out the kids, honestly, when they were younger, you point a camera at them, that's it, hide, put a jumper over their face, look the other way, cover their face. Why do kids not want to be photographed? I don't know, as they get older, of course, it's a bit different. But when they're younger, not young, young, I'm talking about early teens, you know, when they're becoming, I suppose, aware of themselves and uh, their self, what is it, they're conscious, aren't they? Self-conscious, that's the word I'm looking for. And they think they might not look good in the photo, so they don't want to be photographed. Not something that's ever bothered me, of course. Do we have any nurses or doctors or consultants or whatever, hospital porters, anything, anyone like that, listening to the podcast? It would be interesting to hear from you, your experiences about hospitals, even doctor's surgeries. That would be interesting. Totally different in America, of course. Over here... We hear stories about America that if you fall over in the street or you, you know, you run over and you need attention, medical attention, if you haven't got insurance, you're left there on the road. Well, I don't think that's true, is it? I mean, surely, <laughs> surely they wouldn't just leave you to die in the middle of the road. 
But those stories, not so much these days, but I remember growing up hearing those stories. Oh, because we've got the National Health Service, we're all right. In America, if you haven't got insurance, they just leave you to die. I'm sure that's not true. Anyway, I know we've got quite a lot of listeners in America, so perhaps you'd comment on that. Raise rants at protonmail.com. Just briefly talking about the National Health Service here in Britain. You hear dreadful stories about it. I've never had any issues with the NHS. I had a routine blood test yesterday, went to the surgery. Uh, 12 minutes, no, what was it? Eight minutes past 12, my appointment. And do you know, the nurse called me in at eight minutes past 12. Unbelievable. Well, not unbelievable. It's good. Exactly to the minute on time. And I know that you hear stories about people being left on trolleys in the hospital for three days, just left on a trolley, ignored. I don't know whether that's true or not. I've never heard anyone that's had any experiences like that at all. In fact, our niece works in hospital. She's a paediatric nurse. Our number two daughter, she was a nurse in a hospital. She's not anymore. She left that, but she was a nurse. And I've never heard any stories from them about people being left on trolleys. I suppose it has happened, otherwise there wouldn't be it wouldn't be in the news and things, but it's a bit like a restaurant, isn't it? Well no, a hospital isn't like a restaurant. I don't mean that. <laughs> what I mean is one person, one couple, they go into a restaurant and the meal wasn't particularly good. So they say to people, Oh, that was awful, don't go to that restaurant, it's dreadful. And that might be one couple out of a hundred or two hundred people that have gone there and they just had a a bit of bad luck. Just unfortunate that the meal they had was dreadful. Doesn't mean to say the whole setup's dreadful. And I think the same with the NHS in the main. It's absolutely fantastic. There's that word again, fantastic, which it is. And obviously things are bound to go wrong at times, aren't they? In any big organisation. It's all down to human error and human judgment and stuff. You're bound to have mistakes made. Or just something that's come to mind. I was talking to my son the other day. That's the North Carolina, <laughs> the son. And um, I said, oh, that's orcs. And he said, oh, that's dreadful. He said, we don't say that over here, orcs. I said, well, actually, it's totes orcs, as in totally awkward if you're, if you're not young like me and up with the, the lingo that us youngsters use. Totes orcs. And he said, oh, don't, don't, that's awful. We don't use that over here in America. So that's something else that our American listeners can contact me about. Do you say things like orcs and totes? Defo, there's another one, defo. <laughs> I think it's all dreadful. I only use it to annoy people. Uh, I wasn't trying to annoy my son. Well, I was actually. <laughs> totes, orcs, I love it. No, I don't, I hate it. I was reminded of my school days this morning. On the TV news, they were talking about vaping. You know, this vaping craze. They were talking to some kids. They didn't show the kids on the telly, but uh, the, apparently these kids, when they spoke to them, they said, oh, if we're not allowed to vape in school, we won't be able to concentrate properly on our work. And I thought, you know, what is going on? Yes, when we were at school, we'd sneak behind the bike sheds and have a cigarette. You know, we, most kids did that. It was just the done thing. <laughs> that was part of life, a way of life. Now, here's the thing. We weren't hardened, addicted you know, to nicotine-type smokers that if we didn't have a cigarette for an hour or two during lessons, we just went to pieces. We weren't like that. I mean, we were playing around at smoking, having a quick fag behind the bike sheds. But these kids, apparently, 
as I said, they reckon that they can't concentrate properly if they're not allowed to vape in school. I wouldn't have thought they were allowed to. We weren't allowed to smoke in school, but we sort of did it behind teachers' backs. I do remember one teacher, actually. We were in the playground, and he came over to us. We were just sort of by the bike sheds, and he knew we were smoking. Well, there's plumes of smoke all coming up from behind the bike shed. (laughs) And he came over, and we thought, oh, here we go. He said, it's all right, lads, it's all right. You haven't got a cigarette, have you? And one of my friends offered him a cigarette and lit it for him with his Ronson lighter. And the teacher said, oh, thanks, lads, and walked off doing his playground duty. I thought that was fab. That was That's what we said at the time, fab. Well, I didn't. It was cool. No, what, not cool, was it? No, that teacher was, uh, he wasn't square. That was it. He wasn't square in the 60s. I'm getting overexcited now, bashing my desk. You probably heard that. I tend to do that. I do uh, all this, you know, lean on the desk and wave my arms, gesticulate, that's it. And it's not Magnus Magnuson, is it? It's Magnus Pike. I always get that wrong. Do you remember Magnus Pike? There was a chap on the telly the other day talking and he was waving his arms all over the place and his head was going up and down from side to side. I thought he was going to fall off his seat the way he was carrying on. Funny how we're all different, isn't it? Some people, have you noticed how some people, this is strange, when they're talking to you or at you, they're looking the other way. They won't look at your face. They won't have eye contact at all. They are looking not just slightly away from you, but the opposite direction almost, kind of 45 degrees at least. They won't look at you while they're talking. I find that quite odd because <laughs> I'm wondering who they're talking to. Sorry, are you talking to me? Oh, you are talking to me. Even though you're looking out of the window over there, you're talking to me. Right, OK. <laughs> I don't know. As I say, we're all different. Back at school again, there was a teacher who used to talk with his eyes closed. Now, that's odd. I've come across that several times in my lifetime. People that will talk to you, but they close their eyes. And you, are you thinking, oh, sorry, have you gone to sleep? Are you talking in your sleep? No, you're awake. That's all right. <laughs> I don't know. That is odd. Now, there must be some psychological I can't even say that psychological reason that they do that why close your eyes or as I said why look out of the window why can't you look at the person well not you they them is they who are they why do they look in other directions why do they close their eyes I find that what's that word disconcerting is it disquieting I don't know disturbing that'll do it's quite disturbing because I wonder what they're doing I mustn't judge people. I don't judge people, actually. I don't. I just, I don't make fun of, well, I do make fun of the family, family members. We all do in the family. People have always said, you know, if you can't uh, have fun poked at you in the family, then you're in the wrong family. We wind up mother-in-law, Trisha's mum, or we do wind up her brother-in-law, myself. She's well known for coming round. She'll come round to us on a Saturday for lunch and she'll say, Oh, I haven't got much cake left in my freezer. And what that means is, Trisha, can you make another cake? Because I've run out. <laughs> and she'll go around my brother-in-law, you know, Trisha's sisters, and she'll say, oh, I don't have any meals left. You, you, That shepherd's pie you made me, that, that's all gone. And that other meal you made, that's all gone. And that means, can you do me a shepherd's pie so I can put it in my freezer? <laughs> and of course, we all take the mickey out of her. When she came round recently, I said to her, have you got room in your garage for another freezer? And she said, "Uh, yes, why? 
I said, well, we were having a chat and we reckon you need at least two or three freezers for all the cakes and meals that you're given. Of course, she laughs. She loves it. She laughs and she loves it all. It's good fun. One of my favourites with both our mothers is if Trish has bought something for them, they'll say, oh, how much is that? And I'll say, oh, it's uh, 15 pounds. And Trish says, no, it's not. No, it was nine pound 80. Well, I once said, jokingly to Trisha's mum, I said, that's 15 quid, that is, thinking it was about 10. And she said, oh, OK, that's fine then. Trisha said it was 25. <laughs> so I got it back to front. I always do that. And I say, have you made a profit, Trish? When, you know, when money changes hands, Trish has got something for her mum. Her mum pays her. I say, I hope you made a profit on that one, Trish. <laughs> Make a profit out of mum-in-law. It's good fun. It's all clean fun, isn't it? I've always thought all my life, clean fun is great. If you can joke and have a laugh and put a smile on someone's face, then why not? Mind you, dare I say these days, you're not allowed to, are you? You can't, you can't have comedians making fun of people. You can't joke. Stone the crows, you get arrested. <laughs> what was that the other day? Was it, was it six or nine police went round someone's house and arrested them? I don't know, I saw something briefly on the news. Nine coppers to arrest one bloke? Can't comment on that, really. I didn't see what it was all about, but I just thought it was rather odd. I think it was either six or nine policemen went to arrest one chap. And it wasn't a thug or anything, just some normal chap. Oh, there was another thing. Oh, I can't. Oh, this is... No, I can't. But I will. Apparently, was it Switzerland or Sweden or somewhere? On Facebook, he called someone a fat... And... He got, that was on a Facebook video, and he got arrested and slung in jail for 60 days because he called someone a fat I mean, does that deserve jail for 60 days? Again, there may be more to the story than I know, so I won't comment any further on that. But you've got to be careful these days, so careful. Some of the comedians in the old days weren't really my sort of cup of tea or whatever, they weren't my thing. I didn't like some of them. I thought they were... Uh, rather crude, even though they were on TV, some of them were rather crude. I think the comedians that come out with clever jokes, you don't have to be filthy or start chucking expletives all over the place. Some of the clever jokes is what I like, the really good ones, where after the joke you laugh and you think, that's good, yes, that is clever, I like that. But of course these days you can't even do that, it seems. You daren't, I don't know, <laughs> daren't say anything. I think people are going to stop having conversations in pubs anymore in case they say something a little bit untoward and they're overheard. And before they know it, half a dozen coppers turn up at the pub and drag them off to jail. <laughs> ah, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. What do you think? Let's hear from you. Raise rants at protonmail.com. It's lovely out there. I'm going to linseed oil our bench this afternoon. I'm going to do that. I've got some linseed oil and then it'll be covered up for the winter, all ready for the spring. That won't be long, you know. The clocks change at the end of this, is that right, end of October? Clocks change, they go back, don't they? Fall back and spring forward. So they fall back end of this month, as if it's not dark enough in the mornings uh, as it is. Or is it the evenings? No, it's the evenings that get darker, isn't it? The mornings are meant to be lighter. Totally confusing, I don't know why we can't leave it all alone. Right, I shall end it here. Did I tell you earlier, we've got a very quiet Saturday. It's now 11 o'clock Saturday, beautiful day. No one's coming round for lunch. My mum's gone on holiday. She's cleared off on holiday down to the West Country, so we're not going to see her. 
Trisha's mum is busy, so she's not coming round, and we've told the rest of the family there's no cafe at our house today. So it's just the two of us, alone, peace and quiet, lovely jubbly. I shall see you when? On Wednesday. Behave yourselves. And I always say don't do anything. Yeah, do anything you like. Do whatever I wouldn't do or would do. Enjoy yourselves while you can. Take care. See you Wednesday. Bye-bye for now.